Father, have your way as we share your word. Your servant, I humble myself before you. Speak through me and bless through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Take your seat in the beauty of holiness. Amen and amen. So I'm sharing with you part two of our New Year series, The Devoted. The Devoted. As part of our theme, we're doing a new series, The Devoted. And as you can see, and as our tradition is, as my style is, um, the word devoted is no longer a word. It's, an, it's a seven-letter acronym. D-E-V-O-T-E-D. Um, last week, we looked at D. Uh, first, let me show you our logo. Um, wholehearted Devotion 2022. 100% commitment. And uh, our script, um, our key scripture... Is there so? Let me go straight to look at um, slide nine, please. The devoted, the devoted D. Last week we established that a devoted Christian is a very dependable Christian. The very, a very dependable Christian, and <clears throat> we looked at the seven levels of dependability in a church. The seven levels of dependability in the church. Slide 14, we had this diagram that formed the core of the message last Sunday. We said that there is a crowd. There's a crowd. People that love the way we do our things. And come here once in a while to worship with us. Or people that come regularly to worship with us. But are not committed to anything. They, they are not members. They just love uh, the way our choir sings. Or love the way I preach. Or they are in love with someone here. But not with the Jesus of the church. Uh, are you here with me? So they are the crowd. The next is the congregation. People who say we are members. But beyond saying they are members. They do nothing. They don't pay tight. They are even offended when we are taking two offerings. They are isolated. They don't belong to any department, etc., etc. Then the next level is the so the congregation. Then from the congregation we have the committed. These people say, okay, we are members of the church. We will pay our tithe. We will give our offerings. If daddy is led to raise funds, we will give some. Uh, if we need money to go for evangelism, I'll be there. But beyond that, I'm not doing anything. And then we have the convicted. Now, the convicted are people who have come to church based on a certain conviction. They know why they are here. God told them something. God said something to them. That's why they came to church. And they know that I'm here to sing. I am here to be a protocol officer. I am here to do something. I'm here to serve the man of God. So we have the committed. We have the convicted. And then we have the core. The core are the people that the church can depend on for a lot of things. They are not just there serving one department. But anytime there's something to be done, you will see them. And then we have the core. The core could be 
people who are pastors. There are people here, young, a lot of young pastors come to church here. They run fellowships and they come to church here. They are called by God and they are here to be trained. They want to sit under me. But some of them come, hear my message, and go and re-preach it in their fellowship on Sunday evenings or the following week. They preach it there. They are called. There are a number of people who are called here. And they must be specific as to where they are called. And then the chosen, people who are specifically chosen for a certain assignment. Some people believe that. So I am urging, I've said that, it is important that people move away from the first three levels. Um, the con- the being in the crowd is, is, is bad. Being in a congregation is not too bad. Being committed is good. But we want people to be convicted. This year, you should know why you are here. And why God brought you here. Okay? We want to see more people who have become the core members of the church. People we can depend on for everything. And then, the called and the chosen. We want people like that. So that was the key of our message. We, that's what we dwelt on. So we are moving on today to look at part two of the series The Devoted. And we are looking at E as part of our seven letter acronym. We are on E. So the devoted Christian is a very evangelistic Christian. So the E there stands for evangelism. The devoted Christian is a very evangelistic Christian. Very, very evangelistic Christian. Matthew, Mark, the book of Mark, 16, the verses 15 and 16. He said to them, that is Jesus saying to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. It's a serious statement. Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. To all creation from Satanists to prostitutes to armed robbers to housewives, to CEOs, to people of different religions, different colors, different sizes, to the poor, to the rich, all creation, go and preach the gospel. But it is very important for you to note that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So so the salvation of the world is in on the lips of a Christian. If we don't preach the gospel, people cannot believe it. And if people do not believe the gospel, they cannot be saved. And if people are not saved, they will go to hell. Now, I want you to understand that any friend of yours who dies, any family member of yours who dies and goes to hell, Jesus will hold you responsible because he gave you the command go to the world and preach the gospel. So what is evangelism? What is evangelism? You have to understand that the next few Sundays is going to be very pure teaching because I'm trying to establish the prophetic word God has given us in your heart 
I want you to understand this very, very well so that you can walk in the prophetic word. Now, next Sunday, we will look at the vein in devoted as a visionary. And I'll be sharing how people who are devoted to Christ buys into the vision of the kingdom of God. And works hard to fulfill the vision. We will look at the roundness of vision and the realness of vision. People who destroy the vision and people who are able to run with the vision. So the next seven Sundays is going to be pure teaching. And I'm going to take my time for it to establish in your spirit. And I expect you to be making notes and be taking notes. And God will bless you. Now, what is evangelism? To evangelize means that Jesus has been good to you. And you are telling people about his good, this good news. Because the gospel means good news. So that they can come and put their trust in him. The believer is supposed to tell people about the good news of Jesus. Now, if you are truly born again, you will see some good things in your life. That being born again has done for you. And you want to tell people these good things. I believe that Jesus is not a religious leader. He is a life-changing spirit. When he comes to live in you, he changes your life. And you see a lot of good things in your life that you can tell people about. And these good things, you must have biblical scriptures to support it. If you cannot tell anybody about the things that Jesus has done in your life because you don't see them in your life, then check again. Maybe you are not yet born again. If you are truly born again, you will see Jesus has done a lot of things. For me, the greatest miracle in anybody's life that you must tell the whole world about is the translation of your life from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, his dear son Jesus, and the impact it has made on your life, the transformation of your character, is one of the major good news you must tell everybody. The peace that you have is a major good news you must tell everybody. But here, just to help you ensure that you can categorize your good news and tell the world. Here are what I call the seven good news about Jesus that every true Christian must tell his or her neighbor or your friends or whoever is around you. You may not see very well from where you are, but I'll, I'll just share them with you. This, so this is the center of the message. When I finish, we have one more diagram to look at. And then we'll close. Okay? This is the center of the message. Are you here? I need you to just take your time and follow me and understand it. Because this year, when I finish with this series, I'll do something I call the blessings of the devoted life. When you devote your life to Christ and you do what he tells you to do, if you follow him with a wholehearted devotion, what are the blessings that come with it? What are the benefits that come with it? 
Are you here with me? Do you understand what I'm teaching you? Are you getting what I'm teaching you? Okay, fantastic. So when, when I was doing this diagram, my graphic designer was not right. I didn't want to disturb him. So I'll be reading it from anti-clockwise position. Eh? A layman who tried to do something. So. so the seven good news about Jesus you must tell everybody. Number one, he is the bread of life. John 6, 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. So don't go ahead of me. So what exactly is Jesus talking about here? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry again. You see, so when you are building a house, the most usually the most important place in the house is the master bedroom where the builder of the house will live and stay. At least, at least when I'm building a house, that's what I do. Where I'm going to stay and live, I, I feel I work very hard. So where I'm going to stay must be very comfortable. I put almost everything I need to have to make my life comfortable. I face it there. It is the biggest of all the rooms. That's the biggest of all the bathrooms in the house. It's the biggest of all the walking wardrobes. And the biggest of everything. The most prominent place for the owner of the house. That is why that's where I live. That's where I, I dwell. All the other tenants in the house. Tenants, I mean my family. All the other tenants, including mommy. Have places, but my, my place is different. My place is usually different. My bed is even different. But you see, when I'm not at home, when I'm home, there is this kind of life. I mean, you can feel that my presence amounts to something. When I travel and I'm not at home, you call home around 7 p.m., mommy is already asleep. You are looking at this person, this person is asleep. It's like when I'm not in the house, life leaves the house. There's a certain amount of emptiness when I'm not at home. You understand? Even this church, when I'm not preaching here, there's a certain amount of awayism. You feel that the man is away, isn't it? It's not like the men of God here are not anointed. But you see, I'm the chief shepherd. It comes with a certain grace, a certain glamour and awesomeness. Isn't it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you feel when I'm not around. Okay? Now, do you know your life is like a house that God designed? And God is the builder of your, of your life. And in the, the center of your life, he prepared a place. We call the heart. That's, that's God's master bedroom in your life. Your heart. When he is not there, you have a sense of emptiness. You see, you feel that your life, there's an emptiness in your life. That's why we call this, that's what we call spiritual hunger. You feel this emptiness. Like the same way when I'm not at home, there's a certain level of emptiness in the house. You, you understand? Even in my office, when I'm not there for some time, my staff will be calling me. I mean, I have one lady in the office. Say, when I see you, then I'm happy. Immediately I see you in the office, then I am happy. And you can see in her face and the way she's calling and laughing. So, so, I mean, I'm the, I'm the official. I'm the official of the office. 
Okay? So God created you like a house and created a master bedroom for himself, which is your heart. When he's not there, there is an emptiness. Now, that emptiness is what we call spiritual hunger. Many people try to feed that emptiness with a lot of physical things. So let me take you to the to Hollywood stars abroad and I'll come to Gollywood and Nollywood. Well, we have our own woods even here, isn't it? Yeah, we have our own woods here. There's even Kuma wood. So, you see, when you look at the lives of the Hollywood stars and the things they have. I went to Australia with mommy and somebody took me to a beach where Sandra Bullock's house, um, Swazini's house, all the big guys. I mean, that's where they come on holidays. They come to Australia and then they have houses everywhere. But you know these Hollywood stars, eh? sometimes they feel that the more money we get, we'll become satisfied in life. And they work and they become millionaires. Then they realize that money did not bring them that satisfaction. That emptiness cannot be filled with money. So they move away from there and buy houses. Then they are happy for one year. Then they come back to that emptiness again. Then they move away from there. Then they buy cars. Then that emptiness come again. And then they're now they get girls. So they divorce and remarry. And then divorce and remarry. And then they marry like seven times. And every marriage will bring them a certain amount of happiness. After that, they become empty. And guess what? Now they get into drugs. So that they can forget their emptiness. Then after a while, they commit suicide. Now they're having to, having to hear it. Why would Michael Jackson be having painkillers and be taking drugs? He had everything. When we were growing up, Michael Jackson's picture was so expensive. Just picture so pictures was very expensive oh people you will go to some some of us used to trade in it you will go to Accra central and buy it from the women and bring it to your community and retail it you go and buy it wholesale and you come and you retail the pictures and people will buy it look at the way he died drug overdose because throughout his whole life he's gotten everything why he did not have was the bread of life that will feed his soul so that the emptiness will go. So you see, when you come to church and your focus is on cars and your focus is on clothes and your focus is on money and material things, it is because you are in church but not in Christ. Because you will know that the emptiness you feel, it is not about cars and clothes and other things. It's about the bread of life. The bread of life. So evangelism is one beggar getting bread and showing the other beggar where he got the bread. Are you here? Where you got the bread? So please listen. Jesus is the bread of life. All these Nollywood, Gollywood, Kumawood people who go and get all the fake Gucci and all the fake clothing and they walk in our airports and go like this and 
they are all looking for a certain satisfaction. They don't exist. All the slay queens. Hello? Is there a slay queen in the house? I'm talking to you. If we're a slay queen, I'm addressing you. I am talking to you. All these slay queens who are looking for everything. They have one boyfriend who buys their wigs, another boyfriend who buys their braziers, another who buys their panties, another buys their clothes. And you see one girl, even they have somebody who buys them watch eh? No, no, I'm telling you, one girl has about five to seven men who are fixing her life and her body. And they, they become miserable when they are alone. So all the time they are looking for parties. Where is the next party? And people's birthdays, they celebrate their birthday more than the people who are celebrating their birthday. People's weddings, they go, they, they, they dress more than the person doing the wedding. Some, some even go to people's wedding wearing wedding gowns. The only thing you don't see is that they are not wearing the, 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 the veil. But apart from that, you see, they are taking over the wedding. They go to funerals, eh? They go to funerals like, like they are the bereaved. Oh, they, they can go to, I mean, the person who is bereaved, going to the village for the funeral, will arrive on Thursday. They will arrive on Monday. And call and say, we are waiting for you, we are waiting for you. We came with a lot of things. You see, all those partying and pleasure and all those things is to run away from that emptiness. Facing life without the, without the material things, they cannot. Some people have their TVs on 24-7. They can't go off. Because they are running away from emptiness. Something must engage their mind. Most men who drink alcohol and gorge themselves on meat it's spiritual hunger, emptiness. Emptiness. They want to fill it with something. So you can come to church and still have emptiness because you don't come to Jesus. You can be in church without being in Jesus. Without being in Christ. So that emptiness will be there. Now, if you are even a Christian and you realize that you are moving away a little from Jesus, you begin to feel that amount of emptiness. But if we're a solid Christian and you really, I, I, I can't believe that I will have a very good food. Now, anytime I travel with mommy without the children, when we go to eat somewhere, the first thing mommy or myself we do is to call home and find out the children are eating. Once we are eating, we feel guilty. All this nice, wonderful meal that we are eating, are our children eating? So we call to find out whether they are eating. If they are not eating, I get angry or mommy gets angry. It's, see, the anger is not because the house helps did not give them food. But the anger is because we are feeling guilty that we are eating and our children are not eating. Are you here? Now, anybody who is eating the bread of life, if it is sweet to your soul, you will feel guilty that your next door neighbor is hungry and you are not giving. The person you work in the office is hungry and you have the bread of life and you are not giving. All these guys, friends you work with, who you see are struggling in life and they are sleeping with guys here and there. Don't, don't look at them 
like they are yaki. Look at them that these are, these are very miserable people who need mercy and you have the bread of life. Give it to them. That is all that we call evangelism. Giving the bread of life to someone who is hungry. Now, number two, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. This is the good news of Jesus. He is the light of the world. John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. See, the light is on. We are seeing each other. Power is passing through. Air conditionings are working. If it goes off right now, we begin to feel very uncomfortable. Are, are you here? So, you see, you see, darkness is a symbol of sin, a symbol of wickedness. Armed robbers operate mainly in the dark. Isn't it? Even witches and wizards, they fly in the dark. Nowadays, some of them are bold. They come daytime, physically. They want you to know that we, the witches association of this church, we have come to church. And we are going to make noise whilst you are preaching. And we will sleep. We will look at your face like this. And we will be sleeping whilst you are preaching. So that we can discourage you. We want you to feel that the message is not going. And even in our sleeping, we will doze. Am I speaking to someone here? So if you are, you are sleeping under this message, I'm trying to say that you are... You are... How many of you were here? Notice this evening we are having the King's anoint, uh, anoint test anointing. 5 p.m. All of us should be here. Last Sunday was amazing. Last Sunday was amazing. Oh, come on. I truly enjoyed it. I truly enjoyed it. So, so meet me here in the evening. Let me, let me bless you. But you see, those of you who had Doomsaw, who experienced Doomsaw, and Doomsaw, Doomsaw, look at how people lost jobs because of Doomsaw, because there was no light. Look at how people's things got spoiled. As you sit here, somebody calls you. Oh, light has been off since morning. You, you, you panic. Hey, go there, go into the fridge. My grandma's soup is inside. Warm it for me. My Idikai Kong is sitting somewhere. Warm it for me. You, you see, you are, you are worried. You are anxious that if, if, there's no, if there's no light, you are perplexed. Now, light is also a symbol of development. So, when your village has no light, it's an, it's an underdeveloped village. Has no light. So your village is underdeveloped. You cannot do anything. You cannot take TV there. You cannot take you can't take anything there. When a village gets light, they celebrate. See, that's how Jesus says. When when Jesus comes to a place, there's development. When he comes into a life, he brings a certain amount of development. When it comes into a life, eh? when Jesus comes into a life, do you know all the people that operate in darkness are exposed? So if you are truly born again, eh? light will shine on your path. Are, are you here? There are a lot of people who are living in darkness. Darkness is a symbol of occultism. Symbol, oh, I mean, mommy's village has one of the biggest idols in this country. Akunedi. Mommy is from Latte. Akunedi, one of the biggest idols. For the first day, mommy was taking me to her hometown. I fasted and prayed like 24 hours. I was afraid. Because I grew up. And then the next one is in Kumasi, the central region is called what? Antoine. Antoine. Okay. 
I think we have a Kolakweji or something, something in the voter region. We have, uh, so, now do you know that, do you know that when they wanted to bring light to Latte, eh, Akonedu said that where they are, they don't like light. And then they disobeyed and took street light there. When they put on the light, all the other towns, the light came where Akonedu was, all the light did not come. At Odoko, one of my son's grandmother had an idol. Odoko is in Accra. Light is everywhere. Every home had light. Only their house didn't have light. So I called him and said, why don't you have light in your house? And my grandmother says, we don't need light. The idols don't like light. Darkness is a symbol of occultism, symbol of wickedness, symbol of sin, symbol of, of, of anything, filthiness. Have you ever seen prostitutes in daylight like this and they are standing there? They come out in the night in the midst of the mosquitoes. And they wear short things. I mean, when Satan puts you in darkness, your life is a mess up. Oh. So that when I'm driving past where prostitutes are, I, I feel for them. Oh. I feel so. Don't, don't they feel the mosquitoes? They don't feel it. They're in darkness. I was told some guys used to go to prostitution center and then when they go, they, they go and play with breasts. They didn't have money. So they go and say, okay, let me try and see whether I like this one. So this is my wife, so nobody should complain. <laughs> then they hold their breast like this and try to press the breast to see. If the breast are pimple, they say, no, 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 no. Okay. Pam, pam, no, no, no. Think on, think on, uh-huh, this one. So before they take one prostitute, they have done breast tests like 400 prostitutes. See, see, in darkness, a lot of bad things happen. So there, so you see, darkness is blindness. Do you know why we can all see? We can all see because there's light. If light goes, your own room, your own room, eh, your own room. If light goes off, you forget. Meaning there is immediate light off, and you want to get up. You forget where your bed is. You forget where your table is. Your own bedroom, you can just get up and walk and hit your leg against uh, uh, something in the room and hit and hurt yourself because your eye sees because light is thrown on it. When light goes off, your eyes cannot see. So darkness is a symbol of blindness. That is why Jesus said the children of the world, the devil has blinded their minds that they cannot see the salvation of Jesus. So you are, you, when Jesus comes to you, he brings you light. You are supposed to take that same light to someone whose eye is blinded. Your friend beats their wife because his eyes are blinded. Your friend cheats because his eyes are blinded. Your friend is into all these bad things because they are blinded. You have the light. You have Jesus. He is the light. He is the light. Take him. Share him. So I told you about how we went to mommy's village after our wedding and they didn't have light. This I'm not talking about light. I'm talking about the farming village. All the crappings, we have farming village. So my father's farming village is somewhere around. It's called Doknechua. So when you go to Doknechua now, my father's farming village, Koko, other things are there. There's no light there. Mommy also had, father has, mommy's father was a great extension officer. So owned a large farm. So we went to the village after this thing. Somewhere called Sukrukena in Asamankese. To visit the old man. So the old man had an outhouse. And after meeting him in the night, after dinner, we were supposed to go and sleep there. 
Where we were going, I was so scared. Because we had no light. And I felt that if I step, I may step on scorpion or on snake. You understand? But I saw people passing. They were in darkness. I mean, people. So I was walking like this. Hey, God. Hey, God. Until mommy's father sent someone. He said, wait, 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 wait. Don't go with that electricity. Don't go with that light. And then they brought us a lantern. When they brought the lantern, oh, I could see. Now come and see. Burger in the village. <laughs> mean, I'm the one going now. That's how life is. So many people are stepping on scorpions and on snakes and their lives are being destroyed and they are, they are in drugs and everything. Take the lantern that they brought the lantern to me and give it to them and say, this is Jesus. Take him. Take him. He will be a light for your path. Take Jesus. I present to you Jesus. He's a good news. He's the light of the world. Sister, do you know why you are doing these things that you don't even see? Daddy is talking about it. Mommy is talking about it. All of us are worried about your life, but you don't see it. It's because you are blinded. I'm bringing you the light of the world. I'm bringing you light. He's called Jesus. I want to share him with you. I want to give him light. And see, Jesus, his light is so powerful that when you give someone, it doesn't leave you. It still remains with you. Now, Jesus also said, I am the door. I am the door. Jesus also said, I am the door. John 10 verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Oh. Wow. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Do you know, you know, you know, the church, eh? the, the church like this. There are people... Who are entering the church not through the door, but through the window. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are surprised, eh? Now, not all of us. You see, you, you came through physical doors, though. So, there are physical doors there, and you came through those physical doors, and you think that you entered by the door. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Not all of us entered by the door. Because the real reason why we come to church is because of Jesus. If you are in church because of a girlfriend, or because of a boyfriend, or because of a friend, or because of money, or because of any other thing apart from Jesus, you enter through the window, not through the door. So you can be in church like this, and rapture will come, and you'll still not go. You can be in church without you getting born again. That is why you don't go and tell people that our church is a nice church, let's go to church. Eh? Our church is a nice church, so let's go to church. Our pastor is a nice pastor. Oh, he can teach you. Oh, Bishop Titi of is my pastor. He, oh, that man, I know him. The one who has a grad business school. Oh, that guy, eh? Oh, I like him. I like him. Oh, that man there, that man there, I'll come to his church. Oh, that man there, I'll come to his church. You are coming through the window. And you will not be saved. You have to come because of Jesus. Don't come here because Bishop Titi of is here. Come here because Jesus is here. That anytime I preach and mention his name, he's the center of what we do. He's the one we worship. We are not worshiping any pastor. We are not worshiping anything. He's the one we worship. I am not your God. I, I, I mean, are you here with me? We are, we are worshiping pastors as if they are gods. If you come and see me naked lying with my wife in bed, you see this, this one is a man. Oh, he's a man. 
I do what every man does. Oh. See me in the toilet. I'm a man. Oh, come and see me eating fufu after preaching like this. And I go home and I'm eating fufu. When I'm eating fufu, I don't want to wear anything. Bare-chested. Boxer shorts. Small boxer shorts. Bare-chested. I am a human being. The only thing, when I come into the pulpit, I carry oil. There's an anointing on me. It's that anointing that probably separates me from you. Makes me different. I pray for you because the greater blesses the lesser. I'm more anointed. You understand? So I carry something from the Lord. But I'm not your savior. I am not your savior. Don't come to church because of me. Don't come to church because you like someone here. Don't, don't be here. Don't be here for any other reason apart from Jesus. And that's why when we go out to invite people, we must tell them about the Jesus of the church, not the pastor of the church. All these pastors who come out to try to say to you that I'm not afraid of coronavirus and then they go behind the scene and take drugs. Do you know the drugs they are taking? Then they make you feel like, yeah, my pastor is a superhuman being. Please, we are not. Jesus is. He's the savior of the world. I am just privileged to be standing here in his stead to speak to you. I am, not, I am not a super person. I am not an extraordinary man. I am nobody without his anointing. You honor me because, you honor me because I'm, I represent him here. You honor me, you honor my office. You honor my office. In Kakosia Mansaba, Akosia Mansaba of Sunyani number one, eh? Yeah, number one, if you are number one, say area, eh? area four. A question, Mansaba of Sunyani area four. That's my niece. Area four. If you are area one, area four. A soft four feba of Mampo Capim Nana Buchifi Jabusium and Camisumina Namajina Casama Yami. So go out there and tell them there is a door of salvation opened. That door is Jesus. Run and enter into him or else, like the days of, of, of Noah, the door of the ark will be shut and the flood will come after you. Go and tell them he is the door to the ark of Noah. Go and tell them that. And stop telling them about Jesus. And stop, stop telling them about your pastor. And tell them about Jesus. Who is the door to the ark. Jesus said he is life. No, he is not life. He is the life. The life. He is the raw deal. The life. The life. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the life. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. Our focus is on the life. We may come to the resurrection later. But the life. No, he didn't say, I am alive. I am life. He says, I am the life. 
the life. Without him, there is no life anywhere. For most of us, life is is hair. Aka aka poko be hair. Burkina Faso hair. Chinese now Chinese hair. It's, for most of us, that is it. Hills and other things. The real life is Jesus. Now people are struggling to find life. Go and tell them life is Jesus. When you have him, you have life. He is the real life. Listen, the Christian life is not your alternative life. It's the only life. Any other thing outside Christ is dead. Are you here? He is the real life. When you accept Jesus, you are connected back to God. Once you are connected back to God, you are alive. God, God takes over your life and shapes you. In fact, in most of Jesus' teachings, I've come that you have life and have life more abundantly. He spoke more. Life does not consist of the abundance of things a man has. Only Jesus redefined what life is. Life is him. Go out there and tell somebody, I'll find life. That life is Jesus. And if you have really found him, it shows in every, every aspect of your life. You know, I tell people, I live in a four-plot facility. I think now it's six or so. Well, whatever. I live there. Most of the time, I don't go anywhere. Preach, study, come to church, go to office, go home. Within the same facility. But it's so fulfilling, eh? It's so fulfilling. I have the bread of life. I have the light of the world. I have access to the door. I've entered the door properly. I've entered the kingdom properly. I am born again properly and then that is real life for me. I don't need any other life. I don't. Please, all of you here who feel that when you go to America you will have life, please I'm telling you life is not in America. Life is in Jesus. All of you who think that life began when you 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 they give birth to you. Please, life begins when you become born again. That is real life. That is real life. I'm telling you, if you don't see the difference between life in Christ and life outside Christ, it's because you are not in Christ. You are in church. Church can be, church can be a, a gathering for you, but for me, church is not a gathering. Church is a, a place of encounter. It's inside Christ. Like, like I've entered into Christ. Are you here with me? Now, the next good news about Jesus is that Jesus is the true vine. John 15 verse 5. I am the true vine and you are my branches. You know what that means? You know what that means? Eh? You see, the branch of a mango tree will bear mango fruits. The branch of orange tree will bear orange fruit. The branch of Jesus will bear Jesus. What it means that Jesus is saying that the best way to lead a Christian life eh, is to be connected to me. Abide in me and I abide in you. Let your word abide in me and I abide in you and then you will bear fruit. You see, that many people want to be Christians without Jesus. But there are people who are saying that, there are people who are saying that, I want, I, I want to be born, I, I, want to, I want to stop sinning before I come to church. I want to be a Christian. Before I come to church. You cannot. You have to come to Jesus to be a Christian. 
oh, you know, I want to come to church. Oh, but see, I, I smoke a lot. I smoke a lot. That's my only problem. That's my only problem. Brother, you can't stop smoking before you come to church. Come, meet Jesus. Then become a branch of Jesus. And then you start bearing his fruits. So, the Christian life becomes a very easy life for you, an enjoyable life for you, if you are, you are actually abiding in him. I want to show you something, eh? please. Please, I, um, you guys, are you there? Go to John 15. Eh? Let's read a bit more from verse 5. I want to read the whole of verse 5. Put it on the screen for us. Forgive me, I said this few weeks is teaching. It's teaching. I'll finish in the next few minutes and then we'll go home and come back. Now I say, I am the true vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, you cannot lead a Christian life. You can do nothing. You can do nothing. You see, you struggle with your Christian life because you are in church, not in him. Or you are in him, but you are not abiding in him. Are you here? So how do you abide in him? Can we, uh, let me see six. Now, if anyone does not abide in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Said branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Can I see seven and see? If you remain in me, now here, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and to be given to you. Oh, oh, oh. One thing I thank God for, for the life of my son, Kevin, is his character. You see, his character. So, you know, on the basis of that, I, I, in my own little small way, I want to give him whatever he asks. Because, you see, the way pastor's children are giving trouble to pastors. So, he has become a branch that abides in me. So, I see traces of me in him. I see his humility. I see the respect he has for people, the way he really... And I say, okay, okay, okay. So he abides in me and I abide in him. I see me in him. It's even better because Christ is also abiding in him. Are you here? It's the same thing. If God sees himself in you, whatever you ask him, he will give you. Are you here? And he, he, you know him, makes the argument and now advances the argument. They said, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. What he's saying is that I am my word. If you want me, if you want, you want me inside you, steady my word. Steady my word. Steady my word. So if somebody comes to me and says, I am a wife beater, how do I stop? I say, I said, Jesus. And let his word abide in you, you will stop. There's no magic wand to, I, I, am, I am a quick tempered person, how do I stop? No amount of anger management course will you take. That, that, ah. Can a prostitute go to hospital and say, dog, I'm a prostitute. What, what, how do, what do I do? Give me some injection to stop being prostitute. Hmm. Even if they reduce your libido, you still go. You may not sleep with ten men in a day. You will sleep with five. You are still a prostitute. But even if you sleep with one, you are still a prostitute.
You know, some sisters in church are commercial sex workers. It's not like they stand by the roadside, but they are in church with brothers, they sleep with, and they get money. They'll just, because they know that Sunday they'll come to church, they have to face their hair. They'll go to their brothers Friday evening and sleep over. Then the morning, blah, I have to go and face my hair. You are a commercial sex worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you give sex for money. You give sex for money. See, but those things, they don't happen. They don't stop because you come to church. They stop because the word of God is abiding in you. And you are abiding in the word. The word of God, the transformation power of the word of God is amazing. The transformation power of the word of God is amazing. It's amazing. That's why you must devote yourself to study God's word. Can we go back to my, my, my sermon, please? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Look, number six. Jesus says, Jesus is the way. He is the way. John 14 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way. So every human being is missing and we are trying to go back to God. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm not one of the ways. Listen, let nobody deceive you that all religions are one of the ways to God. Jesus is the only way. No, no, no religion leads you to God. They lead you to other things. Not to God. Jesus is the way. So tell the whole world that I have the way. I want to show you the way. Evangelism is telling someone the way. Showing someone the way. And then Jesus says, he is the good shepherd. Number seven, he is the good shepherd. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Tell them that's the reason why he gave his life. He's, he died for you. He died for your sins. Let me tell you the story of, in a village of a guy who slept with his father's wife. And in that village, that is an abomination that you must suffer the death penalty. So they got this guy and brought the guy to the elders. Then the elders said, okay, you're a young man, you have committed this crime. We don't want to waste your life. If we get a sheep, if we get a sheep for us, we'll kill the sheep to pacify your father. So give us a sheep. The young man, the night before the deadline for the submission of the... If you couldn't bring the sheep, they were going to kill him himself. The night before the deadline, his own father called him secretly and said, stupid boy, you see they are going to kill you because of what you have done? And now you can't supply the sheep. Nonsense. See that sheep there? Take it and go and give it to them and present it to me. A father's love. So the next day, the boy goes there with the sheep. And he presents it to them and they cut the sheep and they spill the blood on the father's foot and the father said, I forgive you. The father gave the sheep to the boy to bring it to him. That's how it is. Jesus, you were supposed to die. And God realized that we could not provide the lamb that would die for us. Because he lost us, he gave us Jesus and represented Jesus back to him. Today, you are born again. The world this story tell your friends this story share this story with someone don't keep it to yourself say so somebody will say man of god thank you very much but how do we say it how do we share it i know but man of god i don't know how to do i don't know i don't know okay let me tell you this now let me show you something there's this statistics i want to show you 
Now I'm going to show you. Now I've told you the seven good news you can present. But I want to show you how to present it. And then we'll leave you. Five o'clock, we are here. The anointing of the king's anointer. The mystery of the king's anointer. Five o'clock, we are here. Now, so why, why people come to church? Here. That research by the American Institute of Church Growth. They say that special need. So that we think that when we take curry and rice and oil and go and give it to the needy, they will come to church. It's only one to two percent of people who come to, who come to church because you met their needs. Walking. So that oh, the, our church is now by Bachelor now, Mary Road, so people will come in. Only two to three percent of people who just walk in. Who will just walk in. And then pastors. It's only the pastors, five percent of the pastors' ministry actually attract people to come to church. So don't go and tell people your pastor preaches nice. Visitation. I'm coming to visit your church. One to two percent of people who come to church come on visitation. The Sunday school, four to five percent. So like children's service, four to five percent of people graduate from children's service. Now, crusade. When we put money, salvation festival, and cost hundreds of thousands of Ghana cities, only 0.5 percent of people who come to church come through crusades. Church programs. Oh, I'm bringing Archbishop this, Bishop that, and then we pay a lot of money to do publicity, give a lot of love offering. Guess how many people come to church through that? Two to three percent. The programs we have run, the people we have hosted, if you contribute to this church growth, would have been like ten times bigger. But guess what happens? Seventy-five to ninety percent of people who come to church come through family and friends. Family and friends. So you know something? Don't wait for us to organize evangelism, for us to do anything. I want to send you, as the Lord has sent me, I'm sending you. Go to family and friends. Tell them this seven news. So let me show you. Go to the next slide. (laughs) So using your your existing relationship to evangelize. Move on. Look. Family and friends. Ask 10.24. Colinius, Colinius, when he heard Peter was coming to his house, when he heard Peter was coming to his house, look at the people he invited. He said, the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Colinius was expecting them and had called together relatives and close friends. Relatives and close friends. They are there. Tell them about Jesus. Relatives and close friends. Tell them about Jesus. And stop killing them by tender and by fire. Tell them about Jesus. How Jesus loves them. How many of us, even when I finish preaching, go ahead and share the sermons I've preached with your friends? You are on different platforms. You are even ashamed to identify yourself as a diehard Christian. You are ashamed. You are ashamed. You are, you are ashamed. I'm on this top level platform. That involves very top political leaders. The first time I wanted to post something there, the devil said, no, 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 these people, they'll be offended. Don't put it there. They'll be offended. Don't put it there. And then the Holy Ghost says, preach the gospel wherever you are. So I put it there. Do you know how many of them said, oh, thank you. This is very refreshing. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop. They started responding. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop. People want to hear the gospel. 
they want you to also stand out. Let everybody know you are a Christian. Let your relatives, let your friends, let them know you are a diehard fan of Jesus. Like you, let everybody know that you love Jesse or you love Manchester, even though they are red devils. In the way Judah argues about football, the same way he argues about Jesus, I like, like, like. Judah is carrot. His name is Judah. I gave him the name Judah. When he annoys me, he says, No, you are not Judas is carrot. Okay, okay. When he annoys me, I just give him name. Can I can I say something with you? So now now look at the, your neighbors, your neighbors. John 4, 28 and 29. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and he said to the people, Come and see and see the man who who told me everything I have, I ever did? Could this be the Messiah? The woman at the, woman at the well. When, when he saw this is, was Jesus, she went to her neighbors. Hey, I found him. I found the Messiah. I have found the Messiah. Come and see him. I have found the Messiah. Went to her neighbors. You cannot just go to your next door neighbor and knock at their door and say, oh, my name is Jesus. So, um, can I pick you up for church on Sunday? I believe that Jesus loves you and I believe that if you give your life to Jesus, he will do this and that and that. I, I, I mean, he's coming soon. Go there. They will take the first thing, oh, I go to church. No, no, I know, I know, I know. But the difference between being in church and being in Christ. I'm talking about being in Christ. How do you know I'm not in Christ? I didn't come here to discuss religion. I came to discuss a relationship with Jesus. It's about relationship. It's all about share it with them. Your neighbors, they are dead. They are available souls. Don't wait for us to for us to organize a massive outreach and then you are there. They are available. So next Sunday, for instance, I'm giving you invitations, friends and family Sunday. And it's a double up Sunday. So the last Sunday of the year, 30th January, eh, we are doubling our numbers. If every one of us will bring a friend or a family member, we will double the numbers. And we can make it happen, can't we? Because you are born again. You must tell people about Jesus. You must tell people about him. Common um, vocation. People you work together with. Look at Mark 2, verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Matthew. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Can you imagine? So he was a tax collector. Jesus came to eat in his house. He went and invited other tax collectors. His colleagues. They worked together. Brought them. Come, let's eat with a man. You were a bank teller. The next teller beside you. For 10 years. You are not even giving a single invitation to Jesus to the person. Not a gospel track to the person. Who are you? Who are you? What kind of person are you? What kind of Christian are you? Ah. If I'm going out with a girl and the girl does not introduce me to the most important people in her life or the guy does not do that, then I doubt your love for me. This week I've had some of my sons bring their girlfriends to show to me. Some of them have brought 
have come to inform me of the people they want to go out with. One of the young ladies, one guy went to him and said, no, before I agree, go and tell my, my daddy. She's serious. She's serious. She wants the relationship to go on. She wants the relationship to go on. I want my daddy to know that we are starting this relationship. Go inform him. I mean, if she doesn't love him, she won't say that. She'll give excuses. If you love Jesus, eh, you want to tell everybody about him. Don't tell everybody about him. Are you here? Your husband cannot even put you on, on, on his DP. Question that man. What, what are you hiding? You either don't love me, or there's another woman you don't who will feel jealous if you put me there. If you love me, put me there, showcase me. Yeah, showcase me. I'm talking about wives, so I'm not talking about girlfriends. When you also go and make too much noise about this girl or this boy. And they decide that we are not doing it again. What will you say? That the story of a girl who bought a shirt for a guy. And then the relationship broke and saw the guy with another girl going to stand in the shirt. But they said, Alright, you be shirt, mommy. Give me my shirt. Common interest. John 145. Nathaniel, Philip, and Nathaniel. They were friends. They had common interest. They were all, all Chelsea supporters. They love Jesus. Chelsea. Chelsea to Chelsea. Charlie, let's go. Let's go to Jesus. You can't be watching football with people and not tell them Jesus is Lord. And not tell them Jesus loves you. Anytime I call Judah around football time, you see, Papa, Papa, eh, eh, eh. And then you see the crowd, the crowd. I said, This crowd is a whole crusade. Dude, a whole crusade. Just tell them Jesus loves you. I, people started calling us Osofo whilst we were still young. Osofo, because we harassed people with Jesus. We told them, like, 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 like wells that were full. You couldn't contain them in water anymore. Like a dam, broken dam. Jesus is Lord. Give your life to him. And then, some through. And then others, Jesus healed somebody. Say, go and tell. Go and tell your friends about the healing. Please do this. Tell your neighbors. Tell everybody. 30th is our double up Sunday. Next Sunday, I'll give you. But from now to Sunday, bring a soul to Jesus. Bring someone to Jesus. Tell somebody about Jesus. And bring the person to Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for joining me in this service.